What's shaking, y'all? And welcome to Baby Boomer's Boombox Music. I'm your host, Mellow Mike. And as usual, I'll be digging into the hits from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. So kick back while I drop the needle on that old Victrola. Pop that 8-track into the car stereo of my 1976 Z28 Camaro and drop that mixtape into the Walkman. Let's set the way, way, way back machine for the year 1969-1970 and dig into Sly and the Family Stone and all of their hits. Sylvester Stewart was born into Dallas, Texas, to the church-going family of K.C. and Alpha Stewart. They attended the Church of God in Christ. They encouraged musical expression in the household. After the Stewarts moved to Vallejo, California, the youngest four children, Sylvester, Freddie, Rose, and Veda, formed the Stewart Four and released a local 78 RPM single called on the battlefield of the Lord, and on the B-side, Walking in Jesus' Name. Now here's a side note for you folks born after 1963. Record players had three speeds back then. 33 and a half was for LPs, 45s was for your 45s, and there was also a 78 speed, which had records that were larger than 45s, but smaller than LPs. Check with your parents and see if they'll remember having record players with those three speeds on them. Formed in 1966, the group's music synthesized a variety of disparate musical genres to help pioneer in the emerging psychedelic soul sound. They released a series of top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits such as Dance to the Music, Everyday People, Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself. Again, they were critically acclaimed albums such as Stand, which combined pop sensibility with social commentary. In the 1970s, it transitioned into a darker and less commercial funk sound on releases such as There's a Riot Going On and Fresh, proving as influential as their early work. But by 1975, drug problems and interpersonal clashes led to the dissolution of this mega group. Sly continued to record and tour with a new rotating lineup under the name Sly and the Family Stone until drug problems forced his effective retirement in 1987. Today's deep dive into Sly and the Family Stone, let's get started. The work of Sly and the Family Stone greatly influenced the sound of subsequent American funk, pop, soul, R&B, and hip-hop music. Music critic Joel Selvin wrote, There are two types of black music. Black music before Sly Stone and black music after Sly Stone. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993. So now here's a little background. While attending high school, Sylvester and Freddie joined student bands with musical groups that were singing doo-wop, and the group was called 
the Viscanes. In 1964, Sylvester had become Sly Stone and a disc jockey for San Mateo, California local R&B station KSOL. White performers, such as the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, were on his playlist. During the same period, he worked as a record producer for Autumn Records, producing the San Francisco area bands such as the Bo Brummos and the Mojo Men. One of Sylvester Stewart's produced album singles was by Bobby Freeman, Come On and Swim. This was a national hit, and it created a national dance craze called, what else? The Swim. Okay, let's dig a little deeper. In 1966, Sly Stone formed a band called Sly and the Stoners, which included acquaintance Cynthia Robinson on trumpet. Around the same time, brother Freddie founded a band called Freddie and the Stone Souls, which included Greg Errico on drums and Ronnie Crawford on saxophone. At the suggestion of Stone's friend, saxophonist Jerry Martini, Sly and Freddie combined their bands, creating Sly and the Family Stone in November of 1966. Sly also recruited Larry Graham to play bass, and with his baritone vocals, he added a lot to their hits. Little sister, Veda Stewart, wanted to join the band as well. She and her friends, Mary McCreary and Elva Mountain, had a gospel group called The Heavenly Tones. Sly recruited the teenagers directly out of high school, and they became a group called Little Sister. Sly and the Family Stones, background vocalists. They signed the group to CBS's Epic Record label, the Family Stone's first album, A Whole New Thing, was released in 1967 to critical acclaim. However, the album's low sales restricted their playing venue to small clubs. Enter Clive Davis to the rescue. rescue, me. Or take me, in your arms. rescue me. Davis talked Sly into writing and recording a record and he and the band reluctantly provided the single, Dance to the Music. Upon its February 1968 release, Dance to the Music became a widespread, groundbreaking hit and was the band's first charting single, reaching number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100. Just before the release of Dance to the Music, Rose Stone joined the group as a vocalist and keyboarder. Rose's brother had invited her to join the band from the beginning, but she initially had been reluctant to leave her steady job at a local record store. I'm sure now she's glad she did. And now the group was, dare I say, a family affair. The dance to the music album went on to decent sales, but the follow-up life was not as successful commercially. In September of 1968, 
The band embarked on its first overseas tour to England, and it was cut short after Larry Graham was arrested for possession of marijuana and because of disagreements with concert promoters. At the beginning of his career, Sly Stone produced for and performed with black and white musicians during the early years. He integrated music by white artists and black radio stations into his KSOL playlist when he was a DJ. Similarly, the Sly and the Family Stone sound was a melting pot of many influences and cultures, including James Brown funk, Motown pop, Stack Soul, Broadway show tunes, and psychedelic rock music. Wah-wah guitars, distorted fuzz bass lines, church-styled organ lines, and horn riffs provided the musical backdrop for the vocals of the band's four lead singers. Sly Stone, Freddie Stone, Larry Graham, and Rose Stone traded off on various bars on each verse, a style of vocal arrangement that was unique to its time, and the audiences loved it. There were times when they were urging everyone to get on up and dance to the music, and demanding that all the squares go home. <laughs> Remember that part? The lyrics for the band's songs were often pleas for peace, love, and understanding among people. These calls against prejudice and self-hate were underscored by the band's on-stage appearance. White musician Greg Errico and Jerry Martini were members of the band at the time when integrated performance bands were virtually unknown. Integration had only become something recently. Very few female singers actually played instruments in R&B bands. Uh, one such group was Taste of Honey. Female members Cynthia Robinson and Rose Stone played their own instruments on stage rather than just providing vocals or serving as visual accompaniment for the male members, as was usual for females in rock groups. The band's gospel-styled singing endeared them to black audiences, unlike the cabaret sounds of a group like The Fifth Dimension. Their rock music elements and wild costuming, including Sly's larger-than-life afro and his tight leather outfits, Rose's blonde wig and the other members' loud psychedelic clothing caught the attention of the mainstream audiences and helped the group enjoy success as a pop act. Although Dance to the Music was the band's only hit single until 1968, the impact of that single and the Dance to the Music and Life albums reverberated across the music industry. The smooth, piano-based Motown sound was out. Psychedelic Soul was in, and the band would become a leading exponent of that sound. Rock-style guitar lines, similar to the ones Freddie Stone played, began appearing in the music of artists such as the Isley Brothers on It's Your Thing and Diana Ross and the Supremes' Love Child. Another innovation, Larry Graham invented the slapping technique of bass guitar playing 
which became synonymous with funk music. In fact, some musicians changed their sound completely to co-op that of the Sly and the Family Stone sound. Most notably, Motown in-house producer Norman Whitfield, who took his main act, The Temptations, into psychedelic soul territory, starting with the Grammy-winning Cloud Nine in 1968. The early work of Sly and the Family Stone was also a significant influence on the music of Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5, and soul hip-hop groups such as George Clinton and the Parliament Funkadelic, and it also inspired the late 1980s group Arrested Development and the Black Eyed Peas. The later work of Sly and the Family Stone was as influential as the band's early work, There's a Riot Going On in Fresh and Small Talk are considered among the first and best examples of the matured version of funk music after prototypical new instances of the sound of the band's 1960s work. Rolling Stone commented, Sly and the Family Stone created a musical utopia, an interracial group of men and women who blended funk, rock, and positive vibes. Sly Stone ultimately discovered that his utopia had a ghetto and he brilliantly tore the whole thing down on There's a Riot Going On, which does not refute the joy of his earlier music. In late 1968, Sly and the Family Stone released the single, Everyday People, which became their first number one hit. Everyday People was a protest against prejudices of all kind, and popularized the catchphrase, Different Strokes for Different Folks. With its B-side, Sing a Simple Song, it served as the band's lead single for the band's fourth album called Stand, which was released on May 3, 1969. The Stand album eventually sold more than 3 million copies. Its title track peaked at number 22 in the U.S. Stand is considered one of the artistic high points of the band's career. It contained... Three tracks, as well as the songs I Want to Take You Higher, which was the B-side of Stan, Sex Machine, You Can Make It If You Try, and one of the most controversial titles ever in pop music history, a song called Don't Call Me Nigga, Whitey. I love the tune from the Stan album called Sex Machine. And the upbeat, feel-good song, You Can Make It If You Try. You can make it if you try. You can make it if you try. The title of this song that contained the words nigga would not be and could not be played on radio stations today. But it was played without any fanfare in 1969 on regular radio stations. I was a sophomore in high school, and we used to play it at our home basketball games and home football games. No one blinked an eye. Seems like back in the day, the Federal Communications Commission 
was more, let's call it, tolerant of things like that. As some background, there was an Isley Brothers song called Fight the Power, which had the words bullshit in it, and it was played on the air. Seems the world in general, and the music industry in particular, were much more tolerant in those days. Anybody remember the Saturday Night Live comedy bit with Richard Pryor and Chevy Chase? When Chevy Chase, playing a straight-laced interviewer, was interviewing the ghetto-centric Richard Pryor using word association. It's a classic. If you've never seen it, please pull it up on YouTube and take a look at it. At one point, Chevy Chase uses the word Jungle Bunny, and Richard Pryor replies, Honky. And then Chevy Chase says, Nigger. And Richard Pryor, in a deadpan voice, says, Dead Honky. It is hilarious. But that was on national TV, live. And what was the national response? to that comedy bit? Crickets. After the break, we'll dig back in and talk about the beginning of the internal turmoil within the group Sly and the Family Stone, which was mostly caused by drugs. We'll dig into the band's change in direction and then ultimately to its demise. Go check out the Baby Boomer Boombox Music Podcast, hosted by Michael P.S. Williams, a.k.a. Mellow Mike, available today on your favorite podcast platforms. They take a deep dive into the music of the Baby Boomer generation, highlighting the songs of the 50s, 60s, 70s, and early 80s. Also giving you little-known facts and insights into why your favorite records are your favorite records. Again, that's the Baby Boomer Boombox Music Podcast. Stream it on Spotify, Anchor.fm, and more. Search Baby Boomer Boombox Music Podcast, a brand new podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect and follow the host on Facebook at The Truth 53 Okay, we're back. With the band's newfound fame and success came numerous problems. Relationships within the band were deteriorating. There was friction, in particular between the Stone Brothers and Larry Graham. For instance, the Black Panther Party demanded that Sly replace Greg Errico, their white drummer, and Jerry Martini, their white saxophonist. They wanted to replace them and fire the manager, David Kaepernick. Sly didn't do either of those things. After moving to the Los Angeles area in the fall of 1969, Sly Stone and his fellow band members became heavy, heavy users of illegal drugs, primarily cocaine and PCP. It, rumor has it that Sly Stone carried a violin case filled with illegal drugs wherever he went. Between the summer of 1969 and the fall of 1971, the band released only one single, and that was Thank You But Let Me Be Myself Again, and the flip side, Everybody Is A Star.
Thank You reached the top of the Billboard Hot 100 in February of 1970. During 1970, Sly Stone spent most of his waking hours on drugs. He became erratic and moody and missed nearly a third of the band's concerts that year. I saw Sly and the Family Stone in December of 1970 in Pittsburgh, and I am so happy that he did that show. It was fantastic. As his relationship with Larry Graham deteriorated more, Sly Stone brought in and hired some thugs for his personal protection. These guys were gangsters, and Sly used them as his personal bodyguards. Naturally, a rift developed between Sly and the rest of the band. In early 1971, drummer Erico became the first to leave the band. He was replaced by a succession of drummers until Sly settled on Jerry Gibson, who only remained with the band for one year before being replaced by Andy Newmark in 1973. After the release of the next album, There's a Riot Going On, Additional lineup changes took place. In early 1972, reacting to Jerry Martini's probing about his share of the band's earnings, Sly hired saxophonist Pat Rizzo as a potential replacement, though both ended up remaining in the band. Later that year, the tension between Sly Stone and Larry Graham reached its peak. A post-concert brawl broke out between the Graham Entourage and the Sly Entourage. This was because there was an alleged hit put out on Sly by Larry Graham. Graham and his wife had to climb out of a hotel window to escape and Pat Rizzo gave them a ride to safety. Unable to continue working with Sly, Graham immediately quit the Family Stone and went on to start a very successful rock funk band called Graham Central Station. This band sounded a whole heck of a lot like Sly and the Family Stone to me. Waiting to play for you some of our songs. We've been waiting for so long. We want to play for you some of our songs. Cause we've been waiting. Graham was replaced in the interim by soul singer Bobby Womack and then by 19-year-old Rusty Allen. This was in all likelihood the end of Sly and the Family Stone. On September 25, 2011, the New York Post reported that Sly Stone was now homeless and living out of a white camper in Los Angeles. The van is parked on a residential street in Crenshaw, the roughest part of Los Angeles, where Boys in the Hood was sent, the movie. A retired couple makes sure he eats twice a day, and Sylvester's Sly is allowed to shower in their house. What a sad end to a musical legacy. That's it for our deep dive into Sly and the Family Stone. Next episode... We'll dig into the life and tragic death of the lead singer of one of the most popular one-hit wonder songs of the 1960s. The singer, Walter Scott. The song, 
The Cheater. Look out for the cheater. A tragic death highlighted on the TV show Forensic Files. You won't want to miss this one. Well, the clock on the wall says it's been a ball, y'all, but I gots to go. The man don't pay no overtime, and I sure ain't gonna do none. Not today. But before I do, I want to let you know. I make mamas cry, I make babies sigh, I take candy from babies, and I give dogs rabies. And that ain't all, the rain don't fall. And if that ain't said, grits ain't groceries, eggs ain't poultry, and Mona Lisa was a man. I ain't talking too fast. You're listening too slow. And until next time, like my old track coach and football coach, the late, great Frank Threets Jr. used to tell me, boy... If you keep your feet moving, good things will happen. Until next time, keep your feet moving.